Did you know you can get all of our podcasts on our free podcast app? Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to download the app now. For the world's most ecstatic love and sex podcasts, bonus videos, and exclusive articles, head to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the free app now. Hi everyone and welcome to another Raw Attraction Magazine podcast. Today we have a friend of mine on from London. His name is Rory Kilmartin. He's uh, been studying and interested in relationships for over 30 years and for the last 17 he's been writing, leading seminars, workshops and delivered thousands of hours of one-on-one coaching in his practice in, in London. And he has what he calls a new model of relationships which he uh, has a workshop that's done in a weekend format and I'm really excited to speak a bit about his work uh, today in this podcast. So, how you doing Roy? I'm great Steve, thank you so much and hello everybody listening. I hope you enjoy the next 40 minutes or so. Yeah, so let's dive deep uh, to begin let's with. Let's do it. And let's, if you tell the audience a bit about what is the kind of main focus of your work, that would be great. Hey, my pleasure. So my interest in the subject began when I was 12. I woke up into a world and, and I thought mums and dads loved each other and stayed together and they were kind and gentle. And actually, I, I, it occurred to me that it was, it was in my instance at home just the complete opposite. It was mean and vindictive and uh, unloving and cruel. And I realized at this stage something was dreadfully wrong. And I, and I, I began my inquiry essentially looking at what was wrong. <clears throat> so unbeknownst to me, I began looking at models of relationship or the models of relationship rather than seeking out um, kind of tips and tricks and how to speak better and how to listen better, all of which has its place. I kind of began unbeknownst as looking at the paradigm of, of relationships. And by around the end of my late teens, my observation and research had led me to conclude that something was wrong, that there was the model that people were using, what occurred to me like everybody was using, um, wasn't designed for love. It wasn't actually its intention. And therefore, the results became they, they became understandable. So really, the main focus of my work has been it, it, it started out as an inquiry into how to stay married for life. That was the teenage label. And then that evolved quite rapidly into the full potential of love. Um, and then the full potential of love and life, because I believe that love and life itself are two sides of the same coin. So, and I believe that the full potential of love and life requires you looking at your fundamental beliefs. And, and we think of a model as the, the beliefs, assumptions, and fundamental principles that govern something. And when we start looking at models, what's interesting is that we realize that we have um, different models of relationship for different people in our life. So there's a different model of relationship that somebody might have with their boss than they might have with their pet dog, that they might have with the waiter in a restaurant or their sister or their parent or their wife. So there are multiple models of relationship that we already relate to other human beings through. And what we also notice that a lot of people respect their best friends far more beautifully than they do their intimate partner because they're using a different model. Mm -hmm. So different fundamental principles and assumptions and beliefs. Um, what do you think or can you explain the old model to people just so they're more aware 
um, of the kind of the paradigm that people might be trapped in right now? Sure. Um, the the reason why I call it old is because it is old. And when I when I, I wrote a book back in two thousand and three, and I I searched for the history of marriage and, and found that no one had written a history of marriage, and I was furious with the ridiculous grown-ups. <laughs> um, and then shortly afterwards, an amazing woman called Stephanie Kuntz, which you may be familiar with, wrote a book called Marriage, a History. And the subtitle was How Love Conquered Marriage. And fundamentally, back in the Egyptian times and the Greek, Greek city-states and the Roman times, we're going back two and a half thousand years, there was a huge amount of slavery, and um, particularly in the Greek city-states, a very patriarchal, warring, empire-building society. And essentially, Stephanie Kuntz concludes in her epic amount of research that relationships were never, they were, people didn't get married for love up until the mid-1800s. It was always a familial alliance or for political power. And it was a trade. It was a deal. If you if you made grain and we were carpenters and made barns, if our families come together, if this person marries that person, then we will be able to be a bigger family unit and the in-laws will be able to be safer. Long before police forces and courts of law during feudal activity, people didn't get married for love. It wasn't the design. Some people did, of course, but it's been it's been well documented that people literally thought it was a joke, thought that they were a joke, that they needed to go to the equivalent of the psycho psychological funny farm. People didn't get married for love for 5,000 years, barring the exceptions. Arranged marriages were completely normal and actually often highly effective, but the intention and the um, intended outcome was not... Um, personal growth and individuation. It was the best, the benefit of the community, the clan. So <clears throat> we had um, the industrial age and the romantic age and um, various other spurts in the human development story, very well outlined in a fascinating book called The Psychology of Romantic Love. Uh, if anybody's listening, uh, the Psychology of Romantic Love, the first 45 pages will give you a very succinct and fascinating outline of what I'm saying. And um, it was only after these steps in the evolution of the human psyche that people started being able to have the right to choose, the sense that they got to choose. And then romantic love evolved, literally in the mid to late 19th century. Between, you know, in the first 2000 years, or 1800 years before that was pretty much a 1200 year religious indoctrination that, that sex in particular was the original sin, the, the devil's work, masturbation, sex, sexuality was all wrong. And uh, you shouldn't have sex before marriage, you shouldn't have sex with anybody else, that um, you should really only have sex for, for reproductive sake. So, and there was no internet, no radio, no television, of course, and, and, and church and religion was really the only source of entertainment and the only source of information. And everyone believed every word that came out of those religious leaders' mouths. So very much for the propagation of whatever religion was, was you know, your, your particular misfortune to have woken up into. So the headline then is that the model of religion so love conquered the reason we got married in the late 19th century but but love has not conquered the model that we relate from 
So we are trying to have love-based unions using a model that was never intended for love or to keep love alive. It was never really intended for profound respect. It was intended for familial alliances and arranged marriages and the protection of the community. So for some people, the old model works really well. Those people who are committed to their family clan and community or their religion, it works really well. You, you sign up for a till death us do part, no intimacy with any other human being ever again, and you mustn't leave. No matter what, you mustn't leave. That works well for some people. But anybody who is up for individuation, anyone who is up for becoming more conscious, anyone who is up for introspection and self-analysis and seeking to heal their past and become the best, their best selves, it's not, it doesn't work. Not really. It may work for some time, but deep down people know that they have had to, um, they've had to cut off a part of themselves in order to fit the model. Yeah, so it's, it's like, in a snapshot, it's kind of codependency and, um, you know, uh, compromise, compromisation of yourself that leads to even more codependency and then probably eventually divorce because you will be so um, dependent on the other. And if something goes wrong, it's, you know, it's a big drama. Is that? Yeah, it's in that ballpark. And I think when you start looking, I believe... Um, one of the, the key distinctions for, for us people who are seekers of truth is a, is a concept called categories. And I think any subject of any serious note, the more you can identify categories, the better your life is. So um, take anger, for example. There are categories of anger. Some are healthy and important and valid and some are destructive and abusive. But not all anger is bad and not all anger is good. So there are categories of people. For some people, if we think about the map of consciousness by Richard Dawkins, Hawkins, sorry, um, you know, people who calibrate under 200, the rules of the old model actually probably support them. You know, they, they operate in fear and shame and anger and, um, and all the other aspects. But for people who, as I said just previously, want to be their best selves, at some point, the, they cannot be in that union of confinement any longer. And they they kind of rupture out sideways, often through inappropriate infidelity or, or draining the bank accounts, because those are the two classic ways to ensure separation in the old model. And that's why arguments over money and, and infidelity are the top two reasons why people separate. So people who people ultimately have to leave for their own souls, they, they, they can't stay. Um, and, and in that rupturing is often a lifetime of upset for, for either the children or the individuals. And what I've concluded over my many years of observation is that some people are meant to meet their childhood sweetheart and be with them for 70 years. Some people, some people are meant to end up with their first partner, serious partner, and be with them for the rest of their lives. Many people are not. Mm. When I think about the, you know, the, the steps in the evolution of my psyche and the gathering of my awareness as I've grown older, um, it's very clear to me that I am not supposed to be with the first person that I had a, a fully committed relationship with. And to suggest from on high that when you first commit to someone that you should marry them, have children with them and never leave them 
is not consistent with our own soul's journey, if that is something that you're able to believe in. If you're not able to believe in that, then we could say that the, the own your own maturation, like the inexorable demand to grow up, is this constant theme from our first breath to our final breath. If we end up in a committed relationship where there is no more growth and our growth is capped and thwarted, at some point our soul is going to demand that we move on. So I'm I am all I'm I'm interested in the full potential of monogamy for people, for example, that it is authentic for. I'm interested in people being in the same union for 70 years if it is their deepest truth and they are flourishing. The problem with the old model is that it is a blanket rule-based system that is supposed to have everyone fit inside of it. And this is what is that I believe the source of a huge amount of the mystery baffling confusion and ultimately misery that people experience they they're trying to understand this very complex area of life but the only thing they know like the water in the fishbowl the only thing people know is this two and a half thousand year old greco-roman model of this the suppression of women's sexuality for community trade agreements and in-laws and familial alliances so I, I say to my clients and to the people that attend my workshops that to, to truly give yourself a fighting chance um, of gliding through your relationships in your life and having them deepen and enrich, we have to first look at the fundamental paradigm, and of which I, I see that there are two. There is one that is a, a fear-based um, sense of entitled ownership now you're with me i get to have rights over you i get to tell you who you can and can't see and if you do things that don't i get to be upset with you and disconnect love until you submit enough for me to say okay now you can have love back and versions of that and then there's another model which is essentially let's just start with i don't have any rights over you and it's a privilege to be in relationship with you. And let's see if we can respect each other enough for our souls to actually come to the surface, for our vulnerability and our shame to be healed and for us to gather our own awareness. Because I don't know about you, Steve, but I, I make mistakes. And yes, often those, yes, sir. And often those mistakes are gifts there's this there's a there's a learning in there for me that there is some something being brought to my attention you know as as i've studied communication a lot and i i have one or two things to say about communication and i can still be an oaf i can still say something and just and my, my wife looks at me like where did the brilliant man go <laughs> oh god sorry you know like i'm i'm, I'm fallible but yeah it's model, a, thank you for admitting yeah. that yeah, very fallible. This isn't a, I figured it all out, I'm perfect. No, 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 I'm deeply on my journey. And I need someone that can, and the expression that I created was to, to relate to somebody and provide them with a large expanse for their humanity to show up, the good, the bad, and the to make their mistakes and be ready almost as if to say, hey, that was a little clumsy, are you okay? Because most people don't wake up in the morning to intentionally upset their partner. Some people do, 
you know, but we think of that as truly malevolent to wake up with an intention to cause damage and disruption. But most people don't. I don't know about you, but I don't. I, I don't want to. And then when I do, I need space for my remorse to arise, for my apology to be received outside of judgment. And I think that the more so there's obviously levels of the old model. Some people are very benevolent, very respectful, very kind. And actually, it would take a, a particular event for them to be to be thrust into a fear based, furious reaction. And some people down the levels of consciousness, almost you end up with people who are, you know, in in full on ownership, control, fear, threat, uh, menace. And people are, you know, in a torture chamber of sorts. But we want to provide a, a large expanse for people's humanity, gentleness, do no harm. But the old model entices us. It gives us this sense of righteousness. It's in the adverts, it's in television, it's in TV shows, it's in movies. It's what we saw often our parents do. It's what we see our friends do. This kind of, I have a right to be upset with you, which is why so often we respect our best friends more beautifully than our, than our intimate partners. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the key ingredients of this new paradigm? relationship model that you're putting forward i think that two of the key pieces um really are what i just mentioned previously is and it's easier for people who are between relationships i.e single that just to begin to try on that you've been misled into thinking that you have rights over people and that actually we don't and just to try that on um that you don't have a right over someone that when you meet someone that you're you're entering their their life their field of influence if you will and to 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 tread carefully who knows what intimate connections need to be completed over the next few weeks who who knows where they're at and what their needs are and actually for example when i met my wife one of the first things she said to me was i cannot be contained and I, and I and I won't contain anyone because of her experience in her first marriage where she lost lost sight of herself and became someone that she did not know and did not like and and that requires great respect to provide the space for people to be where they're at we often meet people and just assume that now that they've shown interest in us and we show interest in them, that now that this kind of this invisible model clunks into place and the, the varying degrees of the model, like I just said, um, you know, f for many people, the idea of, of someone, the other going and having dinner with a member of the opposite sex is no longer acceptable. If they liked uh, five of them's dancing or salsa dancing something like that, where moments of great connection intimacy might arise with someone on the dance floor. That, that is, no, I'm sorry, that can't happen anymore. Or whatever the flavor is, maybe you have a really close friendship with a member of the opposite sex, um, and now that becomes, that be becomes a problem now. Because people's own inferiority and fear is at the beating heart of their neurosis if you will the model so <clears throat> the the new model starts and ends with respect 
starts and ends with the privilege of being in relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. And the the transition from the old to the new is not um, knowledge is is not the price of admission. We we have to, and that's such a familiar phrase these days. <clears throat> but we have to begin to look at what we're actually afraid of, because it is what we're afraid of that triggers us into disrespectful behaviour. So yeah, what what do you do when? You're consciously aware of this, and disrespectful baby behavior starts to creep in from one of you or both of you. What do you do in the after that happens? Well, it's important to remember that when our fears kick in, we experience stress and cortisol and adrenaline. And when cortisol and adrenaline and the other stress hormones begin to flood our system, the correlating effect is we lose our, our IQ plummets. It's important to remember that when our fear kicks in, we become stupid and we start saying mean things. So I'm going to answer your question in two parts. The first part is when we get triggered and we jump into fear and we jump into animosity, we get flooded with the stress hormones and we become stupid. Uh, Our IQ plummets. So the first thing is to try and call a timeout. Say, look, timeout, I'm getting flooded and I'm about to say something mean. I need five minutes. And to build a discipline. If you are a volatile person or if you end up saying mean things or, or getting angry at people, it becomes a daily practice to to notice when we get flooded, to call a timeout, say, I need five minutes, I need to call a friend, I need to walk around the block, I don't want to break porcelain. There's a German expression which translates into English, which is too much porcelain has been broken. It means this relationship cannot be saved, so we're trying to minimize breaking porcelain. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, chipping away at the, 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 the how safe it feels to be in relationship with you. Then to answer your question, on the other side of it, I really do believe that we need elders. We need to find elders. We need to find people who are trusted advisors, people that we can call up and say, hey, I got in a row with my partner and I know it was over something stupid. I don't understand what happened. Can I run it by you? Mm. And someone who's going to listen for growth rather than listen for story. Yeah, that's a really wanna... big quote, that one. Listening for growth and not story or gossip. Yeah, like, you don't want to call someone who's going to go, oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, you got. Yeah, you should have got upset. No, 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 no. Don't call them. Call someone who's going to go, thank you for sharing the upset, talk me through it. And then someone who's going to be able to say, um, so can you see that in that was the moment when you jumped into fear? So what, what and actually have a profound conversation. And I, I like the word daily practice because it points to an ongoing commitment, not a commitment that you can forget. Um, but actually, so I'll give you. So I'll tell you what my daily practice is. Um, because of my particular style of upbringing, I, I, ha- I couldn't fight back or argue back or defend myself when I got accused and people, my uh, main parent was angry at me. So I had to disconnect emotionally, psychologically, and and love, and that was how I survived. And it is a warm and familiar place for me disconnecting. It's a righteous, warm place. It's really the only place, that, thing that sheep have got. Like, victims have got disconnection. That's their primary fu. Mm-hmm. So my daily practice is to stay in the discomfort of a breakdown and not disconnect. To restore connection inside that discomfort. Appropriately, of course, there is a category where disconnection is appropriate, but for the majority with myself and my wife and any of my friends, it's to stay in the discomfort of a breakdown and restore connection and restore love. That's my daily practice. So that's just one that's in your 
life generally when there is uh, yeah that's some breakdown. that's, you, that's not my like main one meditation in the morning you do or something yeah that and that's a different daily practice whether it's yoga or meditation or writing in a journal we think of that as a daily practice. brushing our teeth um drinking a pint of water when we first wake up whatever your you know pieces are but as a as a as a relationship daily practice we want to look at what causes the most damage and what causes the most disruption and to become to look in the mirror to do our work and look in the mirror and say how do what do i do that is unhelpful that causes distress for some people it's just raising their voice they they go from one to eight on the on the angry scale and actually we need an elder to help fill in steps two, three, four, five, and six, because they, for a lot of people, they're not options. It's either one and two, and then three to eight are grayed out, and then it's just exploding at nine. We need to fill in all of those levels so that we can express ourselves in a clean way. So for some people, it's my daily practice is expressing my frustration cleanly and not resorting to raised voices. For some people, Dealing, trying, you know, not raising their voice is an hourly effort because it's it's what soothes them. It, the, 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 the nervous system becomes so agitated because of their childhood and their whatever main events of their life that raising their voice is really the only source of pain relief for their for their highly agitated nervous system. So disconnecting for me is what what uh, is helps my agitated nervous system. So. I think it's just that having the courage and the willingness to look in the mirror and say, what, what do I do? So for some people, they're just untidy and they know that their partner is dying on the inside. They're trying to have a beautiful home, not like Brie in Desperate Housewives, like a home that doesn't look lived in, just a, a workable, tidy home. And some people are just lazy and messy and they know their partner's dying every day, just chipping away. It's like... If you want to have an untidy room, get a room in the house that's for you and make it untidy, but don't walk into your partner's clean, clear space and just throw your shit down. That may be your daily practice, like whatever it is. You know, for some people, it's not prioritizing their woman's orgasm, just not making it important enough. And actually, deep down, they know, if they look at the it's like actually their whole life would improve if they actually made it important and actually did some training. Whereas if some people... Some people, no no judgment, just it's never been on their radar. Mm -hmm. It's been on my radar for a long time. I was fortunate enough at the age of 15, I thought myself, there's a complete scarcity of, of having, you know, sexual intimacy with women. If I find someone, how can I make them come back? Okay, I'll make it really pleasant, pleasurable for them. That was my kind of my 15-year-old thinking. Mm. So, but some people never thought it through. Some people have thought it through. So I'm, I'm trying to create random examples. Don't don't uh, shoot the messenger. Like just whatever it is, you know, whatever. And then ultimately, we're trying to become someone that it is safe to be in relationship with. Someone that is, and I think here's the key piece: in relationship, you can become the worst thing that's ever happened to someone. Just just the, just the worst thing that's ever happened to someone. And on the flip side of courses, you can become the best thing that's ever happened to someone. You can become the facilitator of immense joy, growth, healing. And I'm interested in that. I, I believe that the world is, is, is a staggeringly complex 
combination of complementary opposites. I believe that on some level, there is meant to be war to provide peace. But I choose, I choose being a, a force for good, you know, being an agent of order to the best of my ability to bring love and respect. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm never going to leave. You know, I'm really clear that it would be in my world, having been looking at this for 30 years, to expect my wife to never leave me is, is not a soulful thing. Instead, I rather try and show up every day being someone that she wants to be in relationship with every day. And that's just my personal uh, mindset. Um, so in terms of that um, disengaging, if, if something something gets rather heated there's uh perhaps trauma coming up in in you or or your wife and or whatever it is you might be recommending it for a client is there is that what you recommend to just disengage what if someone really can't get out of the trauma their nervous system's completely ad activated the cortisol is it just a simple matter of of trying to get out of the house um maybe that's not even possible because of whatever reason um is there a certain set of rules you recommend that people have around dealing with trauma uh when you say trauma you mean like breakdowns and their and then their trauma that arises in the space yeah yeah i i think that a really smart play is to is to talk about those events when we are calm in other words again when we have all of our iq back it's important to remember that our iq plummets when we become flooded with stress hormones it's a really important piece of the puzzle that a lot of people don't understand. So if there is a recurring event, you know, a recurring flavor or type of breakdown, <clears throat> is to either stop with your partner when you've got IQ and schedule time. And I want to talk about our breakdowns because I want to learn from them. And fingers crossed you're in a relationship with someone that wants to do that. If they're not, then you need to find an elder, a therapist, a human developer, a coach, someone who's got the, the relevant listening skills to provide a growth-centered conversation. Because ultimately what we're trying to do is, it's kind of like you drive a car and the car keeps skidding and you keep going off the side of the road. It, it's expensive and there's damage. We need to understand what, the, what is the skid. Is it oil? Is it the tread on the tires? Is it black ice? Is it too much speed? Is it you don't have the lights on? Like, like work, working with the metaphor, like I want to stop going into the skid, going off the side of the road, banging my head and damaging the car. So now let's do that when we're not in a skid. Let's, let's go walk down the road and check out the road and look at the car and like have a conversation. And whatever the flavor of the breakdown is, we're trying to minimize that and learn the lessons. I think when we learn the lesson, those breakdowns cease. I look at, I don't know about you, Steve, but I look back in my life and I can see the quality of the breakdowns I had I no longer deal with those. So, for example, I used to give my power away to upset people that I cared about. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't understand boundaries or the balance of power, which is another piece of work that I do for another time. And now that I do have clear boundaries and I, and I am able to articulate myself and I am able to check and balance people, I don't suffer those same types of breakdowns. Make sense? So we're trying to gather our awareness along our life journey and the, the more we stop and do our work then we'll leave that level and quality and flavor of breakdown behind and life becomes more and more pleasant 
and this is for me the game of life it is the journey from our first breath to our final breath and i think if we are consciously playing the game of life which really is gathering awareness in a simple phrase the more we gather our awareness the more we raise our vibration the more competent we become and the less we have to ongoingly suffer low vibration breakdowns for example if you learn how to check and balance if you learn how to speak up you suddenly stop being knocked out of your center by people who get upset with you you, be, you remain in your center and you're able to articulate yourself you're able to retain your iq and bring order to chaos rather than become chaotic mm -hmm. and life life improves life is way better when you are able to be gentle and firm at the appropriate times this is just one example of the whole journey of life you know i could come up with many examples of parenting um this is why you know parenting books and parenting guidelines are so vital um i really do recommend if anybody's listening and they're on facebook i recommend following the gottman institute g-o-t-t-m-a-n institute the gottman institute um john gottman is someone that you all need to know about um, he is peerless in the field of relationship research and he you know his institute uh, submits um, articles every day both on parenting and relationships and they're fabulous a fabulous source of information so if you don't know how to speak to a toddler that is upset you or deal with one your, your life is going to become chaotic the moment you learn the the fundamental skills that uh, will support a toddler and understand the the, the meltdown and restore the meltdown back to calm, playful toddler quickly, your life improves. It's not a complicated <laughs> association, it just improves. So I think we're trying to gather awareness, and I think that is the, the DNA of the human experience. I think that's what we are being invited to do. You could even call it the purpose of life itself. Or at the very least, while we're here on this life journey, um, between our, now and our final breath, what is the agenda? Well, I have concluded and many of the what I consider the true elders have also pointed to the same thing, that we are being invited to individuate, we're being invited to become our best selves. And this is not a narcissistic activity. It is actually, and I quote James Hollis, um, the most loving thing we can do for our partner is to become more conscious of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And responsible. Yeah. Yeah. So I focus on models of relationship and, and fundamentally I'm interested in the full potential of love and life and, and it requires some courage and it requires looking at what we hold. A lot of people hold these things so dearly like it's, it's like it is absolutely unbreakable gospel. Um, and that may cause you a lot of trouble in 20 years that that fixed we're trying to trying to move away from fixed rigid righteous thinking and we're trying to expand our thinking to allow for the human journey to unfold to to be the guardian of someone's true path to be able to be the custodian of someone's humanity unfolding even if that means at some point it's their absolute truth to leave you and to actually be able to bless them on their way and, and be immensely grateful for all of the rich experiences that have had with that person. This is profound love and safe love and it's mature love and it is the love of people who are committed to being 
you know, source for good in the world. Yeah. Um, and I know, do you have kind of a view of what is truly possible uh, with love, and, and what what I uh, what is actually love to you? If you can explain that, what what does it mean? I know we've kind of danced around that subject, but maybe sure, direct. sure. I mean, I the truth is, I don't have a clear answer. It is a multi-dimensional answer. Um, I I think that love, on a on a very simple level, is a an, a non-verbal um, sense that fills our system that is not does not have language. Mm. That indescribable wave that comes through our system when we are in the presence of someone particularly that we feel safe with the safer and more respectful someone is for you and who you are the more i find the more that wave is is like jaw dropping on a very practical level however i think um i think there's no greater act of love than to set someone free to be who they truly are to allow them to choose their life moment by moment by moment and and to a lot of people place their wants and needs of the other more important than the other's truth it's a demanding entitled expectation based mindset and I think to really allow someone to be where they're at um you know, you can make plans with someone and suddenly it's, they just go, so I'm so sorry, I am shattered. I am absolutely exhausted. I know we were going to go and have dinner with our friends. I have to go home. I just want to go home. I am, I can't, I, I'm peopled out and I can't do this. And to really respect that, to not get upset, to not, oh, we made an agreement. No, 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 no. Do no harm. So love is a very, it's a very practical daily moment by moment thing and I think that the paradigm from which we love from um, really shapes how loving we are I, all, all my, my research points to this and the work that I do with people particularly in my workshop the New Model Relationships Breakthrough Weekend is, is to really help people identify their fundamental beliefs and, in, and, and sort of lay out for them alternatives and I can sort of see people and I can feel people, their brightness rising when it's like, oh, my goodness, my soul knows that's it right there. That feels so good. How can I never saw that? It's like I think of it as the elusive obvious. It's like it's so obvious. And yet it is so elusive. And um, I do see that love is a moment by moment thing. I think the old model is very much based in time it's very much a till death us do part there's a there's a background of um containment you, you can't leave we're in now and that does work for some people so please don't be offended it's not that i'm not saying this is wrong for everyone i'm not i'm saying that it's absolutely appropriate and perfect for many but for those who want something different yeah and I, and I I often work with people who come out of an old model marriage or long-term committed relationship where they went in and they, they were totally convinced of their, their beliefs and their mindset and what was going to make it work. And they get spat out the other side, like bruised, broken, bleeding and exhausted and totally, you know, kind of like not heartbroken in a classic sense. I mean, heartbroken, like 
everything I believed didn't work similar to my wife and it was like either I'm going to be a spinster or a, or a, a bachelor um, or, or I have to find another way there has to be another way and often I, I people we attract each other because I do have an alternative view that I can lay out for people and often those people are just like oh my goodness that that now makes relationships possible again for me because a lot of people that I can never do that again I can never I can never allow myself to be so lost and so under someone else's governance and so bereft of of profundity I can never allow that to happen again so like I said either um, spinster or bachelor or I have to find another way because I can never go back and I think that no one has ever left my workshop and said, I'm really upset that you told me all of this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. No one said, um, no one's ever said that. Um, a few people have, have, you know, it's kind of, it's obvious that they, that the old model is still where they need to be. No judgment at all. That's just where they're at in their life, their family, their upbringing, their mindset. Then that's fine. Um, but I, I trust that there are seeds and, and pearls of wisdom that are, are you know, um, germinating over their life and that ultimately they will be more respectful inside of whatever confines they, they erect for their partnership. Mm. Awesome. Um, so to wrap up, how can people find out more about your work and uh, your workshops and stuff? Thank you so much for asking. Um, RoryKilmartin.com, R-O-R-Y-K-I-L-M-A-R-T-I-N, RoryKilmartin.com. The, the dates of my next workshops are always there. It'd be wonderful to see you. Um, feel free to drop me an email from my website if you've listened to this. Drop an email saying, hey, just listen to the podcast, and um, it was great, or whatever. And um, I'd be very happy to talk to you, invite you to the workshop. And um, also, that's where you can find out about my coaching as well. If you actually are in the middle of a breakdown and you are baffled and confused, um, reach out to me. Let's set some one-to-one -one time up and, and we'll do some bespoke work that is ideal for you. Um, and thank you, Steve. This has been really delightful. This is my favorite subject. I can talk about this. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, I'll be happy to get you back on in the future. So um, thanks for sharing your time today. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, everybody, and I look forward to catching up with you at some point in the, in the near future. Did you know you can get all of our podcasts on our free podcast app? Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to download the app now. For the world's most ecstatic love and sex podcasts, bonus videos, and exclusive articles, head to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the free app now.